Hi everyone, this is Chico Aspola for Cats Podcast. Uh, one more time with you guys with a brand new episode today. My practice manager and friend Cheryl is with me today as well. Hi Cheryl. Hey Sam, how are you today? Pretty good, how are you? I'm excellent, thanks for inviting me today. Absolutely, my pleasure. Now more importantly, we have a very exciting guest today. Our local, well my local hero, one of my local heroes is uh, Shelly Rogers. Hi Shelly. Hi Sam, that is so nice, thank you. <laughs> well, I really mean it and we will get to that why because we're gonna talk today about all this awesome stuff you do about animals basically. Not just cats or not just dogs, but just overall animals and all this awesome stuff you do. And I know you for a while, but Cheryl doesn't, so it's going to be interesting for Cheryl to know at the same time uh, and hear about it. Sounds good to me. Yeah, it's going to be great because I get to meet you, and as well as everybody else in the community who doesn't know you yet, I'll get to learn a little bit more about you, so that'll be wonderful. Well, I like that, and thank you so much for inviting me to be here. This is great. You're welcome. So we know that there are many ways to help animals, right? Some people just like to click some buttons and donate some food and money, which is fine. Some people like to be more physically involved in it. Some people like to do other stuff, rescues in big moments to step in. But one that we have not talked so much about on this podcast is the fostering part of it, which you kind of are like a foster queen for me. Uh, because I follow you on social media and I know all these fostering adventures you go through. Oh, it is an adventure. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) So before we talk about all these fostering animals, though, tell us about your permanent pets that you have and how they are, like, taking all this and what do you have right now? Well, I have one cat who is incredibly brave, and I'm so lucky because I foster primarily dogs, so I get to introduce my cat to the foster dogs And then I can say, oh, yes, this foster dog has been around cats. So I have one cat. And yesterday I adopted my first foster failed dog. (laughs) Yes, I've had 85 foster dogs. And this is the first one that we've adopted. So right now I have one dog and one cat. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm very happy about it. It was a momentous day. So (laughs) I, I, yeah, so one dog and one cat. And that is all for now. Wow. Mm-hmm. How many do you usually foster at a time? Uh, well, the house rule is two, okay. but we usually have three. <laughs> so right now we have uh, three. Our dog that I just adopt that we just adopted and two foster dogs. Nice amount. It is a good amount, and that's something that's so important about fostering is you have to know your limits because it is so easy to say, I could do one more, just one more, just one more. It's a very slippery slope. So our limit was set at two. We're bumping it up to three dogs at a time. Uh, But yes, very important to know your limits when you're fostering. Do you find that there is, even with the animals in your house, I have a family member that does rescue pit bulls, and they seem, I think four seems to be a nice number for them, but if they get to number Mm. five, it's just, it just changes the whole. Too much. The whole dynamics, I think, of the whole pack. So I just was curious if you have experience that way. Well, uh, one of my limiting factors is that uh, I live in a small house with a small backyard. And the other is that I work full-time, so I'm gone pretty much eight hours a day. And my husband does work from home some of the time, but we had to take that into consideration when thinking, how many dogs can we foster? 
we don't want to fill our house full of dogs and then leave them alone for hours at a time. So three is a nice number. They can keep each other company. I would love to do more, and someday maybe we'll be able to. But, you know, four or five, if that works for a household, that's awesome. But some households do one pet at a time, mm-hmm. and even that is a huge help. Yes. Oh, yeah, especially if the animal needs serious socializing um, engagements. Right? Yes, 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 yes. With humans, I mean, even if it's one animal that you're taking home that is a little bit more shy and needs that breakthrough, and could be really crucial that it goes to a house that doesn't have other pets. It still gets the human interaction, basically. Yeah, and that's such a good point because the reason that animals, and I'm mostly talking about dogs for the moment, the reason that dogs need to go into foster is because they have something that needs to be worked on. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is either maybe they're uh, recovering from an injury or an illness or they're not socialized or they have a bite history. Um, they go into foster because they need some time to recover from mm-hmm. whatever they, the issue is that's making them non-adoptable. So sometimes you can only have one dog at a time because mm-hmm. maybe it has aggression towards other dogs or you really need to spend some good one-on-one time with this dog. So if you're fostering one dog, it's the wor- it makes a world of difference to mm-hmm. that dog. And really that's what's so important in the end. Well, if you, if we go to the beginning of this, though, for people who might listen to this and get inspired to do it, how do you get connections or how do you qualify to become a foster person or a foster mom? Like, what's the first step? What's your connections that you have? <laughs> well, the first step is to decide what kind of animal do you want to foster? Do you want to foster dogs or cats? Then you have to think even deeper. Do I want to foster kittens do i want to foster puppies uh how much time can i spend let's say if an animal is injured and need ex- needs extra care mm-hmm. um do i want an adult dog puppies uh, an elderly dog an elderly cat so the first step if you're thinking you know fostering sounds like it might be okay is to realistically think about what are my are my time limitations what's my household limitations and what could i make work for me some people do bottle baby kittens and that means they are feeding these bottle babies every three or four hours that's a level of commitment (laughs) that is just it it blows my mind how committed those folks are Um, but that is you don't have to have that level of commitment all you need to do is be willing to open your house to an animal that's the first step. The second step is to do some research into the organizations around Chico. And we are so lucky in Chico because we have tons of organizations that would love foster families. Mm-hmm. I foster for the Chico Animal Shelter, and I love them. So I would highly recommend them. <laughs> but folks also foster for Butte Humane Society, Chico Animal Shelter, Wags and Whiskers, um, Chico Homeless Animal Outreach, which Mm. takes care of animals that belong to homeless people. They need fosters. So spend some time and uh, and Google the organizations that are in Chico and see which one you would like to go out and become a foster for. Because there's a lot of choices. It's uh, we're lucky in Chico. We have a lot of organizations that care about animals. But they're open to someone who would walk in. I mean, I guess what I was wondering is, can anybody do this? when they walk into one of these organizations? Well, my I, I know that each organization has 
its own requirements. Mm -hmm. And some of those might be things like you need to own your own home or mm. you need to have a fenced yard yeah. or maybe if you're taking in a, a sick animal, you need to have somewhere where that animal can be isolated from other pets in your house. So if you find an organization and you think, I'd like to foster for the Chico Animal Shelter, give them a call, shoot them an email and say, I'd like to become a foster, what do I need to do? Because each place may have some different requirements. But the number one requirement, the willingness to help an animal that needs your help. I, I get what I keep thinking about when you're talking about is how did you or how do people fostering know that they're just going to be helping this animal for a little while. It's not the intention of Chico Animal Hospital for you to adopt mm -hmm. every one of the pets you foster. They know that you're going into it with just that you're going to care and do what you need to do so that this animal can get a forever home somewhere else. Yes. Correct? Yes. Yeah. And then, and how did you protect yourself from that? Because I would think that they get into your heart regardless. I don't know about yeah, you, but you even though when then at the hospital, you see them and they yeah. get into your heart really fast. So you, you know? mentioned the number 85. That's impressive. Yeah. Thank you. I'm pretty <laughs> proud of that. It's yeah. been seven years and we fostered 85 dogs. And that's the number one question that I get is how do you not adopt all of them? We just adopted our first one. And that is a very hard question for me to answer because it's so personal with each different person. Mm -hmm. Some people foster one animal and then they adopt it and they're done. They don't foster anymore. <laughs> and I think that for me, I went into it with the mindset of this is not my dog. I'm caring for this dog until it's forever family comes along. And that helped me quite a bit. Um, and there are dogs that when they leave my house, I cry and it's oh. very hard. But really for the majority of them, I just feel super happy. But it is hard. It is hard. And for each person, you just have to kind of dig deep and say, can I do this? But <laughs> I would like to say, if you're thinking, can I do this? You can. You can. It's doable. Well, and I feel that people say that about working in the veterinary field anyway. Oh, how could you do that if there was a sad case that you had to do, you know, sometimes to euthanize or something? It, it is a sad. It affects all of us mm -hmm. every day. But with that said, as I think that we feel that we're doing the humane thing. If we can help a family and an animal through that time, yeah. it goes that way. So I, I you know... We do see some things that are sad, but we also see a lot of happiness, too. So oh, that's yeah. probably what you, you feel. It's sad as well. and happy, same time for her, probably. That yeah. is a great analogy. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's that, that's what you sign up for. And the, the happiness outweighs the sadness by far. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. right. Our, one of our, our core values is to be advocates for cats and whatever that means. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's all whatever kinds it of, takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah. Our first interest is to the care of cats what whatever they need not about what we need but what they need yeah. you know so and i was cool. going to ask actually you what the most challenging part of fostering is but i think i guess this what what you just mentioned and cheryl mentioned about trying to foster and actually not adopt every single one of them must be the most challenging part of it, it. it's actually not the oh, most really? challenging <laughs> part. what is it the most challenging part is that each dog has their own issue. Maybe they're afraid of other dogs, they're uh -huh. afraid of people. The number one, I don't want this to dissuade anyone, the number one issue is they're not house trained. So oh. you have to <laughs> house train them. So I've spent many hours and zillions of potty pads and so much nature's miracle cleaning up after non-housebroken dogs. Um, but you know, if you can handle that, 
Also, you can actually request, like, I can only take a housebroken dog. Oh, okay. Yeah, because shelters are pretty familiar with, like, which dogs yeah. are housebroken and which are not. And so I'm willing to take in dogs that are not housebroken. That's the number one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be tough. That would yeah, be tough. Yeah, that would be the top. <laughs> I agree. Really yeah. But, you know, it's just logistics, and I'm used to it now, so it's all good. Do you find that some of your ones that have been there for a while start to help the other ones learn all the rules Ooh. of it? Yes. At least that's how oh. it's in my household. I have an uh, older, Teaming up. over. Well, they do. They follow the leader a bit. They do. And when one housebroken dog gets up and I can tell they need to go potty, then I say, oh, other one. Come on. We're all going outside. <laughs> that is so true. Yes. Join the what, group. Yes. <laughs> do you usually, um, how do I want to say it? keep in contact with the people that are do yours go back to the animal shelter or do you personally get to meet who they are going to and how many of those adding to that i was going to ask if they already have a home by the time you say goodbye to them yes they do Uh, i am very lucky because the shelter allows me to uh, be a an adoption partner or an adoption advocate i think is what they call it and what that means is that if someone calls the shelter and they say i'd like to meet this adoptable dog who happens to be one of my foster dogs, the shelter puts them in touch with me directly. Oh, wow. So that, yeah. So then I set up meeting, I set up the meet and greet. Uh, I meet with the person and tell them all about the dog. Um, so when they leave my house, they're going straight to their new home. Wow. Which is amazing. Okay. The other great thing about that is that I can be super honest with that new, with that person who's interested mm-hmm. in them. Like I tell them, all the good and the bad (laughs) i don't want there to be any surprises you know this dog is 80 percent house trained or this dog is really afraid of this certain type of thing it it is so nice to just really lay it out to somebody who thinks they may want to adopt that dog because then there's no surprises and the the chances of the dog being returned to the shelter are very low so yeah the dogs go straight from my house to their new home yeah that's amazing i mean doesn't matter if it's a dog or cat for me to not go through the shelter uh, experience again and directly go from the used home to another home is amazing i love that yeah and really everything i'm saying can apply to cats as well yeah you know if you're fostering cats you get to know that cat and yeah. you can communicate everything you know about that cat to a potential new owner which is so helpful yeah, I mean, that's what I meant. Like, a cat could have some inappropriate urination problems, too, and you, you might want to just be just straightforward with them and say, hey, you know, you need to do something about this. Right. It's it would be worse. I think dishonesty in this case is worse because we don't want them to come back. We want them to be in their forever home and not have to adjust to something new again. Yeah. So I, that's that's awesome that you do that because... Any special preparation, though, when animals are about to arrive to your house? Like, do you get... Do you go shop, like, new beddings for them? You're going to have your own bed? Or do you, like new toys in the house or I love this question (laughs) Uh, I don't go out and buy anything new but uh, what I do I work full-time so I anytime I'm getting a new foster dog I arrange for them to come to my house on Friday afternoon when I'm off work so then I can spend the whole weekend with them and when I bring a dog home I keep this applies to cats as well I'm sure I keep everything as quiet and calm as possible I don't want any visitors I want to come and go as little as possible. I just want a super quiet first 48 hours in my home so that all the dogs can get to know each other. The dog can get to know me and my husband. They can get to know our cat. 
And I think that is key in introducing a new animal into your household, foster or not. You know, sometimes I'll see people who adopt a dog and they say, I'm going to invite all my friends over to meet this new dog (laughs) or this new cat. And I think, oh, please, just keep everything mellow to start out. So I don't buy anything but or because uh, I have a lot of stuff. Uh, but I do make sure that I have plenty of uninterrupted quiet time to spend with that dog. Can we say you buy some time in this case instead I, of toys? I, <laughs> I My time is very valuable. <laughs> no, that's a great answer though because, I mean, even when recently I had to move a lot after all this stuff happened, but... Even when I move, that first 20, uh, 48 hours or 24 hours, I have the same mindset. Like, these cats are going to this new apartment I'm moving in. I don't want any unusual stuff happening. They need to know it's a safe place when you first, you know, introduce them. So that's such a good point. Yeah, they're very freaked out. And so the quieter you can keep it, the easier time they will have acclimating to their new surroundings. What does a foster parent have as responsibility besides just feeding them and and petting them and socializing do you have to like you mentioned some injured animals for example do you need to have medical knowledge or any you know skills to administer it or what other responsibilities that i can't think of now uh well i don't have any medical skills so i can only take dogs who are let's say recovering from surgery so for example Um, Let's say that a dog has had uh, knee surgery on a luxated patella, which is a kneecap that's out of place, and they've had surgery and they need to stay quiet for six weeks. That I can do. But if there was something like injections needed to be given or any kind of advanced medical care, I could not do that, which is fine because there are people out there who can do that. I'm not, I'm just not one of them. I think my main responsibility is to get to know the pet's personality and their quirks so that I can pass that on to any potential owners. Um, and then just just love them and treat them like you would treat your own pet. I'm sure these animals, dogs or cats that end up in shelters just have unimaginable pasts. And I try not to think too much about that because it's hard. And so I want every day at my house to be like the best day of their life. We're going to go on walks. We're going to eat healthy food. I let them sleep in my bed. <laughs> um, I just want to pamper them as much as possible. I feel like that is actually a, pr- a pretty good responsibility of a foster family is really just love them as much as you can. Is there a, a normal time limit that you have? Do you usually have them one week or three months? Or I mean, is there a nor- an average time that it just seems that – to get them used to you and get some of the quirks out it just you know there's got to be a honeymoon period like with everything else mm-hmm. yes the average stay at my house has probably been about three months um, I take in animals that are I would classify as harder to adopt which is elderly scared um, less traditionally cute but you do that on purpose <laughs> I do that's yeah. what I ask for yes So I feel like that might be a little bit longer of an average stay. So if there's anybody out there who's thinking three months, if you took in a healthy, cute, young dog, it would get adopted, boom, like that. And the few dogs that I have taken in that fell into that category, um, the, the fastest I've ever gotten a dog adopted is eight days. And I've also taken in some foster kittens over the years here and there. They get adopted immediately (laughs) once they're eight weeks old. 
So um, it, if you have a certain period of time that you can foster for, let's say you're available for two months every year, call up an organization and say, I can foster an animal for you know, October and November. And they'll say, great, we can probably work something out. So it doesn't have to be open-ended. Uh, if you just have a finite period of time, let folks know. And they might have a dog that needs a break from the shelter, which is a very common thing. The dog's getting stressed, and they say, let's get this dog out of the shelter for two months. Let it decompress. Mm -hmm. Let it calm down. So the longest I've had a dog is uh, probably eight months. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I was just thinking about that, and you just kind of um, alluded to it in that sentence. I guess for me, fostering meant that they were taking something with maybe a, a bad behavior or, or something like that and trying to fix that. But I think actually what I just flashed on is that really what you're saying is instead of keeping them in a shelter where they're just in that shelter, if they can be in somebody's home and get more of a normal, I guess, quote unquote, if you want to do air quotes, um, home experience it just keeps them calmer and more into what maybe their natural life would be like and that it, it just keeps them going chance to adopt better and everything else as opposed to keeping them just in in a kennel and that kind of stuff is, is that kind of what you're saying more you're just looking for people to just make them be at home even if it's just until the next person can find it, until their forever home yeah it comes along and yeah maybe you can see who they really are once they're out of there right like yes. the true personality maybe comes out yeah yeah. yeah, shelters are, are stressful places just by nature. They're mm -hmm. loud and there's a lot of smells and a lot of people coming and going. When your animal is at your house, they sleep a ton. And animals at the shelter, just because of the, the environment at the shelter, they don't sleep as much. I think that's probably very stressful for them. So any break sometimes that they can get is great. And really, any reason that you can think of as to why an animal might need a foster is valid. They're too stressed. They um, they aren't eating. They oh, are you know they're injured. There's a there's a condition. It's called happy tail, and that is where a dog wags their tail so much and it hits the side of the kennel mm -hmm. that it opens up a wound, and they keep hitting that same wound and opening it back up, and it's splatters blood in the kennel and it's very it's very yeah. alarming and it's called a happy tail and sometimes dogs have happy tail and they need to leave the shelter yeah. so that they can take some time to heal up um, getting some time away from the shelter is is good for animals so if you just have a couple of months that you can foster bring it on right. the organizations need you it would seem like to me that it would be like us being in a hospital situation for an extended period of time. And as humans, I mean, even as nowadays, I mean, people want you, they want you in and out of the hospital mm -hmm. because they know you recuperate better at home. So if you could be mm -hmm. home, even it's not your forever home, it's still a home as opposed yeah. to the kennels, which Less they do all the best they can for yeah. there, but it's still, it is still being in that kind of situation. I never thought of it that way. So that, thank you. That kind yeah. of helped me it's open up that of, thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of, I, wait a minute. We're not talking forever. We're not talking to change behavior or whatever. We're just talking about just giving them a home other than being in a, in a kennel for a period of time until they're forever. That's a really comes. good comparison, actually. Like people send being sent from hospital to like care facilities because they won't have the same exposure to stress and bacteria and, you know, all these noises like you said and all the all, hundreds of people around them it's just this quite nice place and you heal faster mm -hmm. it's the same I, I like that comparison it's totally the same actually right. yeah 
Yeah, that's a great analogy. Plus, if you have that dog in your home, you learn a lot of things about that that animal. And then you can say things like, uh, this dog does great with strangers, or mm-hmm. this cat is very afraid of dogs but does great with other cats. Kids or yeah, yes. Oh, yeah. kids, that's another big one. Yeah, because yeah, people always want to know those things. Like when they want to adopt an animal, they say, how is this animal with kids? How mm-hmm. is this animal with other dogs? How is this animal with other cats? And even if an animal is in a foster home for a short period of time, you have a lot of answers mm-hmm. to those. So, yes, uh, short-term fostering, awesome. Those are like top questions. Yeah, oh, yes. Like right away, the yes. first question. How does this cat do with other cats? How does this dog do with kids? And a lot of times the answer just has to be, I don't know. Yeah, and that's yeah. actually a very negative answer. But rather than knowing it and saying, oh, it doesn't do this well with this, but does really well with that. If you just say, I don't know, that's kind of like already a negative start for that adopting yeah. part. So, yeah, that's another great benefit of fostering actually to have the answers just to have the answers and being able to say yeah this dog is doing great with other dogs just increases the adoption mm-hmm. possibility like twice more right exactly yeah. exactly yes. well there's yeah. just it's more one-on-one i mean i think everything's proven in our world today that one-on-one time for children and animals is just so much so powerful it really is so tell us a little bit about the other animals that you foster, because I know you help the wildlife uh, rehabilitation f- place. I do. I'm not sure what the name is exactly in yes. What is the name? So uh, Bidwell Wildlife yeah. Rehabilitation. So I am a board member and also a volunteer for Bidwell Wildlife nice. Rehab. So uh, real quick, a definition of wildlife is any animal that's not domesticated. So when we're talking... Um, all manner of birds except for like chickens and ducks, okay. uh, raccoons, possums, squirrels, skunks, bats. What else have we gotten? Foxes, bigger mammals. So uh, Bidwell Wildlife Rehab does not take in any domesticated animals. We just do wildlife. Wow. And what an adventure. If anybody <laughs> out there is like, I'm feeling adventurous, might want to try something new. Bidwell Wildlife Rehab is a, just a hoot. So, but I yeah. get owls too. I, I knew where you're going with that but one. I've, but I've seen pictures of raccoons in your house, like yeah. baby raccoons. Oh my gosh, yes. I okay. have to, I really want to hear about that. So, uh, the mammals that I've taken in so far, I've been doing this for only two years now. I've taken in raccoons, squirrels, and possums. Oh, and, and a couple bunnies. Oh. So, the goal, <laughs> the goal for wildlife rehabbers is you do not want to socialize these animals oh, yeah. at all. Because they have to go back out in the wild. So, like, I even try not to name them. I don't give them names. I don't interact with them. Baby raccoons want to be your best friend. (laughs) (laughs) When you've got a little three- or four-week-old raccoon and you're bottle-feeding it, and it wants to crawl in your lap and crawl on your shoulder, it is so difficult to not just, like, cuddle it and kiss it and (laughs) carry it around. They are so cute. But you have to stay strong and just be like, I'm not your friend. I'm just taking care of you until I can release you. Um, They're so smart. They're so dexterous. Their hands are just... Raccoons are... Oh, I know. I actually had one get into into our ice chest camping. And, oh, they can go through eggs. I mean, because they are so able to do anything. It's just amazing. Yeah. So raccoons are just so fun. Now, baby possums are super afraid. And they don't want anything to do with you which which is good i just put their food in the in the cage at night because they're nocturnal so they want to eat at night 
Um, and then baby squirrels are exactly like you think they would be super squirrely. They act just like adult squirrels running <laughs> all over the place. And uh, I went, at one point I had a pair of baby squirrels. They were probably four weeks. They escaped from their cage and I didn't know it. So I went into the room and there was poop everywhere. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I, I couldn't see them. I just went, oh no. So I shut the door behind me real quick and I see them they're perched up on the curtain rod. And so I called Sandy, who is the Bidwell Wildlife Rehab president. I said, what do I do? I can't catch them. And she said, just leave the cage door open. When they're tired, they'll go back in there no and go way. to sleep. Yes. That was my reaction, too. I thought, no, they're not going to. They're going to they're gonna yeah. live in my room and chew <laughs> yeah. everything up. And they did. They went as I snuck in the room a couple hours later, and they were asleep in their cage in their bed. Wow. I just shut the, shut the cage door, <laughs> shored it up way better, and they were they were uh, they everything was back on track. So that's just an adventure all the time. The bunnies are e- extremely afraid, but so cute. Um, but I want to ask, yes. while all this is happening, what your cat is doing? <laughs> well, I'm very lucky to have a like spare room behind a spare room. So I have an airlock in between where I keep the wildlife and where the cat can hang okay. out. So I have not one door, but two doors in between the animals. And, and that's, that is a, a really big, like kind of number one requirement for rehabbing wildlife is you have to have a space that is completely separate from other animals. Mm. I don't want the wildlife to see my cats or dogs or, yeah. So that is, that's a big one. It can be in your house. Like I use a spare bedroom. I've also used a spare bathroom. If you have a climate controlled outbuilding, that is a really amazing place. But that is, unfortunately, that's a big impediment to some people to rehabbing wildlife is that you basically need to have a room dedicated Mm -hmm. to rehabbing wildlife. It's very fun, though. Oh, my gosh. I thought about I All I keep, keep thinking about when you're talking about it is I had the, the cat get the blue jay, and I took it to the wildlife place because it was <laughs> injured. So that's it's like it didn't it, – it, I called you guys, but that didn't happen. It didn't help anything. But, you know, it's like – Yeah. It, it was when, like, a bird, Oops. when a bird gets caught by a cat, it's pretty much – Yeah, yeah. It was, it was my first turn and it was with one, and I was like – and then the second time it happened, I was like, it's – Yeah. I'm, Oh, well. Now, I'm I'm actually kind of glad you brought that up because there's a little public service announcement. I want to let folks know, if you find injured wildlife, take it to Valley Oak, which is a Mm -hmm. 24-hour vet. They are a receiving center for wildlife, and they will get it to Bidwell Wildlife Rehab because we just work out of our houses. We don't have a facility. Yeah. Oh, that would be the dream. (laughs) Um, So if someone says, you know, where is your location? We're like, well, there's, you know. Everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we need to have kind of a, we needed a central location where people could drop drop off animals in need of help so that's good to know that's really that good to know yes and if anyone ever calls here and says i found an injured bird mm-hmm. i found an orphaned raccoon tell them to take it to valley oak God. Oh, and they will get know. it yeah. to us yeah great, yeah. Great yeah we need to do a better job of getting that word out because once spring rolls around babies are starting to be born mm-hmm. and we're gonna we get a lot of calls exactly oh that's yeah. good that's good to know really good tip now sure do you want to talk about your own organization that you have that supports the city shelter i don't know like if you want to talk about it or not but i am curious to know about it because i've seen you setting up booth in here and there every once in a while and if you want to spread the word i would love to (laughs) yes okay so here in chico 
We have a lot of great organizations. My favorite is the Chico Animal Shelter, which mm -hmm. is the municipal or the city-run shelter. Mm -hmm. And it is what in past generations would have been called the pound. As yeah. in, don't take that dog to the pound, they're gonna kill it. Mm -hmm. But the Chico Animal Shelter is 180 degrees as far away from a traditional scary pound as you can get. They work so hard for animals in need. I, I have countless stories of them saving animals, doing everything they can to get animals healthy and into homes. And that's who I foster dogs for. Um, so the Chico Animal Shelter is a division of the city of Chico. So they are not a nonprofit because they're a city-run mm -hmm, organization. Mm -hmm. So in 2017, I started a nonprofit called Friends of the Chico Animal Shelter, and it is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that can take in uh, donations mm -hmm. for the shelter. And that is, uh, it's, it's great. There's a lot of generous people out there. Good. And the shelter can really use the funds. So it is something that you are still doing and it's getting good responses and, and Re support? Yes, really good responses. Um, something that not many people know about the Chico Animal Shelter is that all of the medical costs for the animals in their care comes from donations. So the city pays for the facility and it also pays for the staff salaries and the most basic of food, which is awesome. I mean, what a huge thing, mm -hmm. you know, it's great. But that leaves a lot of needs unfulfilled. All medical care, spays and neuters, vaccinations, flea medication, up to the most expensive and, and extensive vet care, amputations, mm -hmm. surgeries, tumor removals, biopsies, all of that is paid for by donations. Wow. Yes, and it's thousands, tens of thousands of dollars every year. That's cool. yeah. So we help raise money for that. Well, if anybody wants to help, uh, is there a website or email or Instagram or whatever you'd like to share with Ooh, us? Oh, yes. Uh, the best <laughs> place to start would be our webpage. And it's kind of cumbersome. It's friendsofthechicoanimalshelter.com. <laughs> and we'll put that in our show notes. <laughs> yeah, so that's why. And a link. Thank yeah. you. You're yeah. welcome. I wanted to be mentioned here and also add to this, uh, the sure. show notes. So it's great that we... It's a long website name, but it's worth clicking. It is. <laughs> I, I had no idea what starting a nonprofit would encompass. It's so much work. Mm -hmm. I, Cheryl, you probably know. You know taxes and this form and that form and bureaucracy. I did not know what I was getting into <laughs> in this adventure every day. But it's such an important need. Um, and so one of the things I didn't really think about is, wow, that's a long website address. So maybe at some point we'll change it. But for now, friendsofthechicoanimalshelter.com. I like it. I like and how it sounds. <laughs> and it's good to know that, you know, you do think that, oh, it's it's run by the city, that they're, I mean, we all know that city funding is is limited, but to, to understand that it's just the basic needs, realistically, it's just, you know, so um, to make sure we get them, the ex extra stuff to get them rehomed is, mm -hmm. is awesome. Yeah, yeah. yes, it, that's a great point. There's a lot, of, a lot of confusion between all the different organizations. Um, but the Chico Animal Shelter, they have my heart 100%. I love them. I know a few of them, too, because of schooling. I had to go through, like, some interning programs there, and I had the pleasure to meet some of them, and it was a great experience for me, too, ah, to I be there. I love that. Yeah. Okay, question. For somebody who can't adopt or foster, how can they still help uh, animals in need? 
Oh, there are so many ways. Okay, where do I start? I think I would say maybe the number one way is to learn the difference between all of the different organizations in town so that when someone says, I need help paying for a spay-neuter voucher, or I found an injured animal, or I'd like to adopt a cat, there are so many different organizations out there, and each one has a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. And there's really a lot of misinformation out there about where to go. Um, for instance, I vol I'm a board member at Paw Prince Thrift Boutique, which raises money to pay for spay and neuter vouchers. And if somebody asks a question to me in person or possibly on social media, where, how do I get a spay neuter voucher? Mm -hmm. The amount of misinformation that comes back is just makes me sad. <laughs> uh, you know, there's a lot of like, call this vet, call that vet. Like, no, start with start with paw prints. We will give you a voucher, and that'll help you pay for the spay mm -hmm. and neuter. So the more that people can learn about the different organizations out there, and there's a lot of them, the more informed you'll be. The more when you're ready to adopt. You, you know where you want to go. So that is a really great thing that people can do. I would also encourage people to shop and donate to Paw Prince Thrift Boutique, wow. which raises money for spay and neuter vouchers, not only for owned animals, but also for feral cats. That's a pod, that's a whole different topic we could do on a podcast no. to talk about feral cats. Um, what else? Uh, we do actually, not to interrupt you, but we do actually want to get um, Armida to our program who is uh, trapping all these. Well, you do too, but she's the one that brings us the most cats trapped to have spay and neuters done. And I, f I feel like since you guys know each other, you're welcome to join that one too if you want to because we have a lot of questions to ask about that dedicated work they do like night and day and winter and summer and constantly on the go with trying to get these feral cats in here. And I'm, I'm sure they have like limitless stories about all that adventure Absolutely. stuff they do. Yeah, it, yeah that's, and that's another big question is I have feral cats, what do I do with them? And if you throw that question out there, a hundred different people are going to give you a hundred mm -hmm. different answers. Mm -hmm. And the answer is trap, neuter, return. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are many ways that you can help without fostering or adopting. I also want to say every organization needs cash. And it's not fun and it's not <laughs> exciting. If you can donate, and I'm not kidding you, if you can donate one dollar, do that. Yeah. Every amount helps. Every organization has massive bills, whether it's for rent, vet bills, spay-neuter vouchers. If you can donate five bucks to your favorite organization, that means something. So I would encourage everybody out there, if you're thinking, I'd like to get involved somehow, find out where you would like to uh, your financial donations to go because mm -hmm. every bit helps. Absolutely. Um, so coming to the towards the end of the this podcast would you like to add anything else or would you like to share any maybe fun stories or encouraging stories um, anything else you would like to add oh so many stories <laughs> but I guess what I would like to say uh, to wrap up with in regards to fostering is that my heroes are the people who adopt less adoptable pets mm -hmm. older or maybe they are you know tripods missing a leg uh, maybe physically limited in some way um, we, my husband and I, have taken in some dogs that I've looked at and said, nobody is ever going to adopt this dog because maybe they are 
old or less traditionally cute, mm-hmm. every one of them has gotten adopted. That's the best. Yeah, it, it is the best. There are angels out there. And my one particular favorite story is we had a elderly chihuahua. She was probably at least 13. And she came into the shelter as a stray. She had a hard time walking, not because of any physical reason. She was just older. So we brought her home, and I thought we may end up having to keep her because I can't imagine who will adopt her, even though she was a very sweet dog. And this was uh, right after the campfire. So this was last December, I'd say. And the shelter got a call from some people who said, we would like to adopt a campfire animal. And, of course, no campfire animals were available for adoption Mm -hmm. at that point because they're all waiting to hopefully get reclaimed by their owners. So the shelter said, well, if you adopted a one of our current dogs, it will open up a space for another dog. So this couple drove over from Reno on like a Thursday night. Wow. And it was terrible weather. And they came to my house and they met Daisy, the Chihuahua. And they said, we want to adopt her. And mm-hmm. I said, really? It was about 9.30 at night. I said, do you want to adopt Daisy? And they said, yeah, we do. We, we, we love her and we think she'd fit in perfect with our family. So these selfless people drove three hours. They wanted to help with the campfire effort, and they adopted really a less adoptable dog. So all of you out there who adopt less adoptable animals, you are angels. I love (laughs) you. Please keep it coming because they need you. Um, And then really the last thing I have is please microchip your pets. Yes. It makes a huge difference in reunifying you Mm -hmm. and your beloved pet. Please, please, please microchip. I can't agree with that more, and I'm sure Cheryl can't either, because <laughs> we're big on that. That has always been my focus point at this hospital. I've always tried to keep it as um, inexpensive as we can, and we were gifted um, mm-hmm. 200 microchips from Alley Cats Allies um, during the fire and after, which we gave for free. Mm-hmm. And from that point, we found the company that is using, that they were using, that they, we got the free chips from. Found Animals. Found Animals Registry, it's called. And um, we still, we were able to buy more from them. And we, we um, implant the microchip for $10. It, it's so important to us that every animal have a microchip and that it's not a decision, should I, can I get my cat or dog, in our case cats, mm-hmm. vaccinated or can I afford a microchip? It's, it's so important to us that we have as, as inexpensive as we can. And we also, just a, about our hospital, is we have um, purchased an app that everybody puts on their phone. And the, my favorite part of that is that on your phone, which everybody had with the fires, it has their microchip number, mm. their vaccine information, a picture of their kitty. And that way, if something ever happened in our community, again, that you would have it on your phone so that you have that information. And if it's something happened to it in the fire, you don't have to worry. It's right there available to you. So that's a couple things that we do at our yeah. hospital. About the microchip, I, and we try to do this with, even with our podcast, so it's the education is for me the most important part of it because most people, when I go in a room and say, hey, we have an only $10 microchip. Would you like to have it? They're like, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, but this is only a one-time payment. You will never, ever have to pay this again. This is not a membership. This is not a renew. They're like, wait a minute. Are you sure? I'm like, yep. It's going to be a lifetime long $10. It's going to be so much worth it. Like, it's this education. Whatever they have in their mind, it's not known to you until you explain to them what this microchip is really about, you know. 
I try to also share some of the stories with them too, so they can get like inspired and like we found this cat that traveled to paradise and and with a truck yeah. and then microchip found it and brought it back and all that stuff. So yeah, I know, but microchip definitely please microchip every single. Pet well, and you so have. many cats. I mean, I have a one of mine is a Siamese. How many blue-eyed Siamese are out there? Okay, he has a couple dots on his toes, but I'm not sure that they're... If I had to yeah. have five of them, I don't know if I could pick him out of the crowd. I mean, there there's some... And, if you, you have know, a black cat. A black Good cat or, or, or an orange one or a gray tabby. I mean, so many... Our cats all look so much alike. Oh, yeah. I, I, you oh, know, yeah. I have a chocolate lab. He's chocolate, you know, like... <laughs> Okay, how do you know what I mean? So I think it would be hard. Um, it's just yeah. one more way to identify our, our, our loved ones and yeah. make sure that we get them back home with us. That's what yeah. the important part is. So, hey, Shelly, I, I really want to thank you for joining us today. Mm -hmm. I hope you had fun because I had a lot of fun. Me too. It was so nice to meet you, Shelly. Oh, thank nice, you. Nice to meet you. It's my pleasure to be here. Anytime I can be here to talk about fostering, to spread the, spread the gospel, I'm happy to do it. Support your local shelter. Thanks, everybody. Alrighty. Thank you so much. Um, okay, everybody, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and chicocats.com slash podcast. And thank you for listening today. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.